0: The Cell Phone Junkie Podcast, Episode one hundred sixty six for August second, two thousand nine. Texting while driving gets some exposure. T Mobile announces a wheelless BlackBerry, and Google Voice versus AT and T. My name is Mickey Papillon. and I am Joey Kappos. And today's show is brought to you by Audible.com. Please visit Audible.com slash CPJ, that's Audible.com slash CPJ, for your free audiobook download. First today, we have a giveaway. You know, it was interesting, Joey, last week I was talking about Slacker Radio and how great the Slacker Radio uh, Plus service is, and I had been contacted this week by them about uh, my comments on the show, and they asked if we wanted to do a giveaway to our listeners, And this is not just one, but three separate giveaways. But we're going to do them all next week. So uh, basically, we're going to do a very similar thing to what we've done in the past to enter. Send a Twitter message to at TCPJ underscore Mickey, at TCPJ underscore Joey, and at Slacker Radio to enter, and we'll choose three people randomly to win. Uh, One caveat, you must have a free Slacker account to be eligible to win. So if you already have a Slacker Radio Plus account, you will not be eligible. Uh, But go ahead and go sign up for a Slacker Radio account over at slacker.com to check out the service, and then send that Twitter message uh, to myself, Joey, and at Slacker Radio, and we'll be choosing three people for it next week. And just a comment also about Slacker, something kind of interesting, they announced that they would be uh, doing uh, their radio on the tours now. So if you've got a BlackBerry tour, uh, Verizon uh, Wireless, that is, you can now get Auto, or excuse me, the Slacker radio service on there. It's kind of an interesting thing. They the application will be pushed out to your tour if it has not been already, and so you can take advantage of it, which is a really neat thing that they have it automatically on the devices, and then it's not some uh, application that you'll find you know from the carrier like a Sprint radio or something like that. It's actually a third-party application that they've done for this. So it's a it's a really good service. Like I said, I think the quality is superior to that of services like Pandora. I think the music selection is great. They do a good job with uh, choosing when you choose a, a genre, the types of music that it plays for you. I've always been very happy with it. I listen to it quite a bit and I uh, love their service. Uh, in fact, so much that I've got the Radio Plus service and now we've got them, uh, you know, giving away some subscriptions. So it's very, very nice uh, to have them here. Uh, we've got a couple of stories here. I'm going to start out with mine. It's a bit long, but I'll try and keep it down. Uh, it, it concerns an HTC diamond now if you remember back to May of 2008 uh, I received the HTC diamond uh, from the msmobiles.com website they had a representative at the Mobius conference they received a diamond and sent it on to me to review here in the U.S. and uh, I've been using it kind of off and on and, and just testing out various Windows mobile applications and and whatnot. And about Christmas time last year, I started having problems where the Wi-Fi stopped working. And it wasn't that it wasn't showing up; it would it would pop up with the Wi-Fi and it would try and connect to the networks that were available. But as soon as it would connect, it would basically throw me off, and it was just not letting me do anything. So it was it was annoying uh, and basically unuseful. So uh, after I kind of dilly dallied for a little bit, was at CTIA in April at, down in Las Vegas and uh, talked with the HTC representatives who told me that I should be getting in touch with certain people. So uh, I got in touch with people. They uh, accepted my diamond. I shipped it back to them. And uh, after just a couple of days, it was repaired, and they went to send it back to me. And this was at the end of May, and unfortunately, the device got misrouted. Now, this is the where it gets kind of interesting. Uh, for those that know, I'm down in Arizona, which the state abbreviation for Arizona is AZ. And apparently so is the country code for Azerbaijan, which for those that don't know their geography well, which I didn't, I had no idea where Azerbaijan was, it's just north of Iran. So it's in the Middle East. And my device uh, went left, it was in Houston, I think was where I was getting repaired, got sent to uh, to Memphis, which is a routing center for FedEx, then up to New Jersey, out to Great Britain, and on to, I think it's Baku, B-A-K-U, Azerbaijan. Got there on June 3rd. It has not been heard from since. And uh, finally, after about a month and a half, I finally got FedEx to admit that the package had been lost. And the story comes in. Not that the device was lost, but just the troubles that I've had with this. And for for all the help that I got on the front end of getting this device over to HTC and getting them to help me out with getting this thing repaired, which they were very quick to do, uh, ever since it's been shipped off, they have basically been unresponsive and very difficult uh, to work with. I, I realize that this is completely a FedEx issue, uh, but it's been pretty much on all on my shoulders to contact FedEx to figure out what hap- needs to be done, to start a claim, and to pass on that information on what had to be submitted to them uh, from HTC over to FedEx. I had to kind of be that conduit and it 's really just been a pain and, and it 's put a actually a, a pretty bad taste in my mouth about HTC and how they treat their customers and granted I, I have to you know I have to say this, the caveat in this though is that i 'm not actually a customer with this device. this device was given to me by another website but uh, you know, it, it, it still makes me not want to purchase devices from them if I'm going to have issues with it, send it back. And then if it happens to get misrouted, uh, they just kind of throw their hands up and say, well, we've contacted FedEx and uh, we'll let you know what we hear back. And then I call FedEx and they say, well, we're still waiting to hear back from HTC. On some information, so then I have to call HTC and basically say, "Look, you need to contact them, give them this information because they're waiting for it." You know, so I, it just was a—it's been a pretty bad thing. But finally on Friday, I got through to uh, FedEx uh, after talking to someone, and they said that they had uh, received all the information from HTC and it was in, in process right now for the claim. I have no idea what that's going to mean at this point. If it's you know, uh, if they can find it or if they're just going to give a credit or whatever that's going to be because really i'm just looking for a windows mobile device i mean that's what this whole thing is all about is you know a windows device so that i can use and test and do everything that i need to on it Um, but it's it's kind of a a bummer of a story i wish i had a had a better thing to say about it but that's that's kind of where i'm at with the, the the case of the missing diamond yeah, unfortunately, you've been left now. How many months has
1: this been dragging on? I mean, it's it, it seems uh, internally uh, in, in, for eternity here. You've had to wait for this thing.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's uh, been it, it, it's been about seventy five days since I originally sent it in. Oh so, boy. yeah, that's uh, speedy repair, uh, very
1: speedy. <laughs> uh, I'm glad this isn't your primary device because um, yep. that wouldn't be uh, too good.
0: No, and you know, like I said, it's it's not HTC that lost the device, but you would hope that they would be willing to handle it on on their side and, and get me out something so that I could have origi- you know, so that and then they could kind of figure it out on the, you know, FedEx side. But um, it, it's I under, I understand the point that, you know, they have to go through the motions of trying to figure out where it is and whatnot. But, you know, it, it came down to I mean, it's been 75 days, I've been trying to figure out if I'm going to was going to talk about this or not. But it finally came to the fact where, okay, it's finally getting resolved. But this is how long it took. And Again, I still don't even know what the resolution is going to no, be. No, so. you don't have a
1: resolution yet. I mean, mm-hmm. you've just got one step in the process that the claim has started, and they reject claims all the time for things. And who knows? It's, it's bizarre. What a bizarre story.
0: When I when the woman—well, uh, because I had to actually give them the information on the phone because they were waiting for HTC to call them back and never did. And she said, well, what was it? She's like, well, she, first of all, they said, well, we need to hear from the shipper of what it was. And so the shipper then called them and, and there was some emergency situation that happened on the phone call. I'm not sure what it was, but she said that, th- that it was a, a touch diamond phone. And I said, okay, so they've at least told you what it is. And so then I could go in and I could explain, okay, it's the HTC touch diamond, gave them the website where it had all the technical specifications on it. And the woman said, well, they said that the value of it is $500. She said, what was, what was the original value? And I said, well, it's about 800. She said, Eight hundred dollars for a phone, and I said, "Yeah." I said, "You gotta, you gotta kind of look at this one as being one of the high-end phones." I mean, there's it was, yeah. I mean, it know, was the highest-end phone at the time. Yeah, and I mean, unfortunately, there's not much that you know can be said. I mean, it's like the most expensive phone. So you're right. I mean, it definitely could be rejected if they say this value is, you know, too high or whatever it is. I mean, I guess they don't have to give you the the total value for it. And I don't know if it was insured or not either, but I guess it would have to be. Otherwise, there wouldn't you'd be out everything. So I don't know. Yeah,
1: I'm. I'm not sure. Yeah, it depends what uh, what what they put down for the insurance because generally you get the first hundred dollars free when you ship with FedEx or right. uh, UPS, but uh, to go above and beyond that.
0: Hmm. Well, we'll see if uh, the Azerbaijanian diamond ever makes it back. But most likely, no. It's in probably someone else's hands, or the package has been completely destroyed at this point. So, anyway, but uh, you have a story too, Joy. Before we get into the news that I think you should share with everybody. Well, this week I had a very strange sprint uh, data
1: experience here, Mickey. I, I, I think it was on Tuesday morning I lost connectivity to my Exchange server with my uh, Centro's uh, ActiveSync um, you know, email delivery. It just would not connect to the server. Um, I, I couldn't do a sync. I couldn't uh, you know, get the push email. And it wasn't just my side of the... Uh, it wasn't just my Centro that was having a problem. Uh, it, it wasn't the server either. It was actually all of the Windows mobile phones using the Outlook, uh, you know, the push ActiveSync. Um, it, uh, and it went on for a period of time between 10 a.m. and 8.30 p.m. Uh, all day long without a single uh, connection. And the strange thing is I had no trouble getting to the Exchange uh, website, the Outlook Web Access, which runs on the same exact port, uh, you know, 443 uh, through, a, you know, SSL security um, certificate. Uh, no problem. Um, on my Centro, I can imagine that I would have no trouble getting through because all of the web traffic goes through a proxy server on the Sprint-hosted site. But something from our local network there to you know my to the network uh, exchange server, there was a loss of communication somewhere along the lines all day long, and I you know did a bunch of uh, forum browsing and uh, technical. Um, you know, research for network status and could not find anything that was uh, reported being down or anybody else having that same issue. But it affected uh, five phones um, all day long. So it was a very strange experience. Nothing like that's ever happened to me before.
0: And so you obviously still had data connectivity. You could still get, like you said, to the Exchange server through... Uh, just a regular HTTP connection. You could also, you're getting Gmail too, right? That was coming yep. through? Yep, okay. that was no problem. So the, it wasn't the mail client. It w- definitely wasn't the, the mail port, uh, at least as far as the, I guess that's a pop access is what you doing, Or is that IMAP access? I have IMAP for IMAP? Gmail. Okay, yep. okay. But uh, an SSL port for the Exchange server could have been the culprit, I guess. Uh, it's very strange though, because it wasn't the data. But I thought this was a good story because when was the last time on your phone that your data stopped working? We we always, you know, complain about people, about the carriers with the drop calls, and, you know, you know, poor network coverage in certain areas, and everyone's got their, you know, ups and downs, but the data side hardly ever gets this. I mean, it's, it's amazing to think that there was actually a, a data issue.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was definitely a data issue with the phone, because I did uh, extensive testing on the exchange server to make sure that it wasn't uh, the issue on my side. So I used, uh, you know, many different tools to verify that it was working uh, properly and, and every test came back uh, positive on that. Um, you know, with the data side of things, the only time I have data issues, Mick, is if I'm in a low signal area. Um, between, you know, sometimes a phone switches back uh, from EVDO to 1XRTT, um, uh, but that's it. I mean, it, it's basically just a signal issue is whatever I, I have, never a, a, you know, a back-end data transport Issue, you know, router issue or anything like that. I know you had some uh, difficulties with your iPhone on AT uh, I thought when you were in New York.
0: Well, yeah, but that was more or less just slow. Um, it wasn't. It wasn't that it wasn't connected, where the stuff wasn't coming through. It just, well, it wasn't coming through because it was very slow. That's what it was. Um, but but other than that, it was it, it was fine. Let me ask you this: Did uh, I know you've got a Verizon BlackBerry? There was email. Going flowing fine to that thing. Yeah, that was fine as well as a uh, a Sprint in
1: Instinct um, that does have huh. you know it doesn't have Outlook Web Access, but it uses the Sprint. Uh, it's like the workplace email client, and it uh, you have to enter your information to a what I believe actually is kind of like a, a third party redirector where that's polling you know that getting the push email or polling for the email on the Exchange server, and that worked fine all day as well. So there was definitely something something in our local area uh network that was uh, causing the, the the to not receive the active sync mm. email
0: yeah and and by that you don't mean your land you mean your your local wan right something like the local
1: something in the local side of the sprint network
0: yeah exactly um, like mm. maybe
1: the minneapolis uh, router or something uh you know that handles kind of like the data for the uh, either my region or the the city or or something now, what day would you say that was? That was Tuesday? I think that was Tuesday.
0: If there's anyone in the Minneapolis area that's got an exchange connection on a Sprint account, I'd love to hear if this was isolated to to Joey and his area or if it was something a little bit more regional because that's interesting. You know, I get a daily update on outages for Blackberries and whether or not it's a bez or a biz issue in, in the this, this service there, but I never really follow any stuff directly tied to, uh, you know, to exchange because that seems like it's very, very specifically... Uh, usually a a local issue, like a specific company issue, because all it is is, you know, going from your server out through the network. It's not going through, you know, a knock or anything. So um, anyway, uh, very interesting though. But uh, you said by 10 o'clock that night, everything came back through. Did all the emails have one time on them or were they kind of like listed throughout the day?
1: Well, they were all appropriate, you know, because when you do, they all come off the exchange mailbox. So whatever the timestamp is uh, when they came in, uh, hmm. To the exchange okay. server, they were you know they were they showed up correctly
0: that 's true, yeah, because it 's not trying to hit another any any sort of mailbox at all, so okay, all right, well, one last thing here, twenty minutes into the show, fifteen minutes into the show, one last thing before we get into the news. uh we have uh redesigned and by when I say we Joey has redesigned or at least refreshed. The com website uh the, the design itself i guess is the same but it's really a refresh of it if you haven't been there in a while check check it out go over to the cellphonejunkie.com. uh it's been kind of reorganized and, and joey you did a great job kind of tell everybody about what you did to organize it
1: Oh, i mean i didn't do much mickey i just kind of you know resorted some of the items in the right hand column and just uh cleaned a little uh little things up here and there not too not too major
0: yeah, but it, you're you're being modest. It it really looks good. Go check it out. It's it's a lot of it. It, it everything is where it should be right now. Kind of cleaned it up and it lines up. You know, I, I kind of joke because when I try and do HTML, it's like I've got a couple of hams on my hands and I'm sitting here like punching on the keyboard and I have no idea, no idea what I'm doing. I'm copying, pasting code and it's just a mess. So thank goodness for Joey because he can help clean up my mistakes. So, But let's get into the news this week. Uh, the first story is that Ericsson won the Nortel LTE and CDMA Assets. Uh, for $1.13 billion. We talked about it briefly on the last show, uh, but they had outbid all their other rivals and took on all the Nortel assets. Nokia had entered a bid for $650 million, which was followed by a $725 million bid by some private investors. But Ericsson was the one of the last companies to enter the auction and placed a bid just hours before the start. The auction took place in New York City, lasted 12 hours and the winning bid topped out at $1.13 billion. uh, Once the auction results clear regulatory hurdles in Canada and the U.S., Ericsson will take over the LTE and CDMA business units and technology. Nokia Siemens Networks issued the following statement at the end of the auction, stating that it remains committed to the North American market. Well, this week, Huawei announced that it is upgrading an existing facility to be a new laboratory to develop LTE products for the North American market. The facility was first opened in September of 2008 to test prototype equipment. Now, the lab has been meant to help network operators in the U.S. and Canada test Huawei's LTE equipment before it gets purchased. Well, Apple has come out and said that jailbreaking your iPhone could knock out transmission towers. Apple told the U.S. Copyright Office that modifying the iPhone's operating system could crash a mobile phone's network transmission towers, or at least allow people to avoid paying for phone calls. The claims are Apple's contribution to the Copyright Office's regular review of the U.S. Digital Millennium Copyright Act, a law that forbids the circumvention of copy control mechanisms. Uh, Taking a look at the actual uh, claim, Apple argues that the practice constitutes copyright infringement uh, and that the OS is accessible on a jailbroken phone and said that it would be possible to reprogram one or gain access to the phone's base band processor or BBP, which will control the connection to the operator's network. Because jailbreaking makes hacking of the BPP software much easier, jailbreaking affords an an avenue for hackers to accomplish a number of undesirable things on the network. So what does that mean? It means that if you've got a jailbroken phone, not only are you going against the terms and conditions, but you could actually get in and cause some havoc to the network that the phone is connected to. Granted, I don't think this is going to find its way into uh any sort of you know malicious side although it very could but it's at least you know a, a proof of concept that they could do it
1: yeah they could and and you know I, I don't think any of the jailbreaking um you know stuff that's out there has gone into the uh baseband radio but I, you know we'll have to uh we'll have to kind of wait and see i mean it is very possible uh, i mean it seemed like when we had the iphone uh 3g come out basically uh that uh, hacked into the AT and T network on their own. They did a pretty good job of it, it seemed. But uh, mm-hmm. we'll we'll just have to see if uh, if this becomes an issue and what happens legally on this because it'll it'll you know they may be able to uh, claim that as copyright and to be a little bit more forceful against companies that actually publish these things out there. Um, but we'll I I don't know if we'll see much of a change.
0: Well, the Copyright Office is expected to make a decision uh, later in the year, so we'll we'll find out later. Well, one of the bigger stories this week, or at least topics, comes from texting while driving. Several Democratic senators are proposing legislation that would require states to ban drivers from sending text messages and emails while operating motor vehicles. If states don't comply with the federal mandate, they face losing up to 25% of their federal highway funds. If the legislation is passed, the Transportation Security or Secretary would have six months to create guidelines for the states, which would then have up to another two years to implement the texting and emailing bans. The law would prevent uh, drivers from sending messages in vehicles that are parked, or would not prevent uh, drivers from sending messages that are parked, uh, but the proposed legislation follows several nationally publicized stories relating to drivers sending text messages in the moments just before accidents that resulted in property damage, deaths, and and injuries. So, this uh, goes back to uh, obviously some things that we've talked about since essentially the beginning of the show. In just being careful about you know using using your phone while driving, or at least you know completely not using it while driving, because you could get yourself into a distracted driving situation. Uh, But how much does texting while driving actually distract you? Well, the New York Times put together a little game that can help you determine how much you are distracted while you're trying to focus on your phone. The game allows for the the player to enter in text and respond to messages that are sent to a virtual phone on the screen. And then also at the same time, try and change lanes by clicking through uh, the numbers one through six on your keyboard, only using the number pad. The keyboard does not work. Uh, you'll see a green light above the number, and you have to switch to that lane as quickly as possible. And uh, then you're also trying to follow up on messages that are sent to your screen on the virtual phone that comes off to the side. I tried it, and I, for the life of me, I couldn't do it. I was driving through the wrong lane pretty much the entire time, which proved to me it is very dangerous to be doing uh, any sort of uh, focusing on your phone while you're driving.
1: Yeah, it is. And of course, that game is a little. Uh, that's a little tougher than a real-world situation, as far as in some cases when you're on the road. Sometimes you actually have a second where you can glance down at your phone. Whereas that it was just those uh, those toll gates came <laughs> just constantly. <laughs>
0: Well, you know what, though? It's one of those, it's one of those things. I mean, they're talking about, you know, things that happen in a split second when you're driving and that, and that's when these accidents happen. It's not when you're driving down the road where you've got, you know, you know, miles of open space in front of you.
1: Well, I, I've realized that. And that's the only time where, you know, it actually, you know, has a potential of being safe to look at your phone. And, and, you know, generally it, uh, you know, it, it turns out that way, but there's always a chance something can, uh, something can jump out in front of you,
0: a deer, a dog, a person, I mean, it could be anything. And that's, that's kind of the point is that you really have to be on top of it and be able to at the, you know, split second, be able to make a change. I mean, this could be used, you know, you could look at this the same way as you know, drinking, you're trying to, you know, focus on, you know, uh, I guess, you know, the road or you need to be focusing on the road when your impairment is hindered. And it granted, it's different. But you know, the amount of time, the reaction time is similar. And that's been proven. Well, uh, further than this, the CTIA issued a statement as well on texting while driving, stating that uh, the CTIA and our and our member companies continue to believe that text messaging while driving is incompatible with safe driving. We support state legislative remedies to solve this issue. But simply passing a law will not change behavior. We also need to educate new and experienced drivers on the dangers of taking their eyes off the road and hands off the wheel. CTIA and our members have been working to educate all drivers on these dangers for years now, and we hope that people will continue to learn more.
1: Yeah, and that you know that's a that's a great point they put out. Uh, you know, passing all these laws will make no difference, Mickey. I mean, we already have distracted driving laws. We talked about this how many years ago, Mickey, when the first one first laws uh started coming around here. Uh, Like Phoenix, uh, the city of Phoenix is one of the first ones, Mm -hmm. I think, wasn't it? And it it, it doesn't, it's not going to make any difference. I mean, it's already covered. Um, We just have to get people to uh, really think about their actions. And, you know, things like that game really do prove the point that you cannot read that message without, you know, hitting one of those toll booths. And it's, it is tough. And uh, unfortunately, you've got to change the mindset here.
0: Yeah. You know, and I think it's good that the CTA is coming out too, because obviously, being the leader association in the wireless community, it 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 needs to it needs to come out that they're behind this as well. So, uh, furthermore, another point to this: the in Lockport, New York, police say a Buffalo area tow truck driver was juggling not one but two cell phones, texting on one, talking on another. He slammed into a car and crashed into a swimming pool. The county sheriff says that 25-year-old Nicholas Sparks of Burt admitted he was texting and talking when his flatbed truck hit the car Wednesday morning. So you just, you you can't be using phones in a way that is, you know, inhibiting. And I see this, you know, a lot more now than I ever used to. People have regular cell phones and they have Blackberries. They're trying to do, you know, either data entry or some sort of, you know, managing of the calendar, whatever it is in one hand while they're, you know, talking on another. You know, it's one thing to be you know, talking on a phone, especially if you've got a hands-free device, which is not, of course, the answer to not being, you know, responsible, but it really will help you in making sure that you both your hands are on the wheel at the very least. So, uh, again, just, you know, take the time to, you know, you know, step, you know, pull off to the side of the road, you know, make that call or send that text message, especially if it means, you know, the difference between doing something safe uh, and doing something that could potentially be dangerous. So anyway, a lot of coverage this week about it. And I'm glad to hear it because it's it's about time. Well, Motorola announced this week profits of the second quarter, unexpectedly $26 million in profits on sales of $5.5 billion. Uh, In that amount, $1.8 billion came from the handset division, uh, but that, of course, was the very division that lost $253 million and saw its global market share slip to 5.5%. So uh, nonetheless, uh, not good for the mobile phone space, but good to see Motorola at least on the positive for the quarter. HTC says that they're not going to see numbers as big as in the past this year. They said their 2009 revenue expects to fall to low or mid single-digit percentages. They earlier had said that they expected a 10% increase. Revenue last year rose 29% to 200, or excuse me, 152 billion Taiwanese dollars, which is about 4.65 billion U.S. dollars. Analysts are saying HTC facing increasing competition because rivals such as Motorola and Sony Ericsson are moving on the territory by producing phones based on Google's Android operating system. The firm has been the only company that produced these phones in the past. Phones lost, or a phone lost at sea for four days was returned to its owner. The story came from Reuters in Taipei. A mobile phone was lost at sea for four days when it washed up in perfect condition on a Taiwanese shore after drifting 23 miles. It was discovered by a park lifeguard who tracked down the shocked owner to return it. The phone itself was dead but was in a small water-resistant case. Uh, the the finder of the phone found it, recharged it, and called the owner's wife and uh, was able to return it to her. So very, very interesting uh, how good those cases can be if they're actually used properly. Yeah, and uh, Mickey, uh, you know, I know phones. some phones can survive water. Oh, yeah. We, we had. I don't think we ever talked about that on the show. I know you told me about it, but let's take a second to talk about water <laughs> and phones and how you <laughs> saved your phone. <laughs>
1: Well, the Centro took a little swim there, and uh, that's all I'll pretty much say about that. But it got very wet. <laughs> it didn't work very good, um, and of course, I knew the you know knew the uh, the best thing to take the battery out. Um, but I could my my, my uh, curiosity didn't last more than uh, ten minutes before I put it back in to see what would happen. <laughs> um, it, it it started up okay. And then it went kind of crazy and bonkers after it kind of got going. So I took the battery back out and, you know, shook it out as hard as I could. Unfortunately, I didn't have any tools to take it apart, didn't have anything to dry it off with at the time. So I took everything off of it, including, you know, the stylus out, got, uh, you know, micro SD out of it, the battery out, kept it in my pocket to try to keep it warm. Um, it, uh, it did take a total dunks for sure. So it, it, it was pretty wet, um, so I left it in there for about an hour, tried the battery again. It uh, did power up and work successfully. I was able to make a, a phone call at that point because I actually had to make a phone call because that was an area where there was no other phones available. Um, unfortunately, I kept trying to hot sync at the time because uh, <laughs> it, it was hard to get the call placed because I kept trying to hot sync. I had to keep canceling that because obviously there was water probably in the bottom contacts uh-huh. uh, region there. Um, but it did work then. So after I was on the phone call, I did pull the battery again. And did leave it off then um, uh, for the rest of the night. Unfortunately, I still had no way to keep it warm, so I just basically kind of kept it in my pocket. Uh, and, and it 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 was totally dried out in the morning when I did finally have access to tools to take it apart. There was uh, no moisture left inside um, inside the device at all. So hmm. uh, I think I I really lucked out on on that particular uh, swimming incident. <laughs>
0: There's multiple ways you can do it if you have access to the appropriate tools. Obviously, the best way to do it would be to take you know the outside case off of it and to take some sort of compressed air to get the liquid off of the, the contacts and everything as quickly as possible. Uh, Other remedies include putting it in a bowl of rice. Uh, Rice is a good way to pull the moisture out of the phone. Uh, Also, in an oven on the lowest possible temperature will heat the phone up, but I I have a a hard time wanting to do that. Putting my phone in an oven just kind of scares me. Yeah, Uh,
1: you wouldn't want to go anything over 120, really. And most ovens, 170, I think, is the 150, maybe, as low as they go. That would be a little warm, I would... I would say I've heard some people of, of, uh, dunking them in, uh, uh, like alcohol, denatured alcohol yeah. to try to push the water away. Uh, and you know, a more extreme measure like that may be wise in, in cases where it's exposed to like salt water or chlorine water or something like that. It's more damaging than just plain, uh, plain tap water. Um, I would be curious how that one would work. I'd like to probably take, it'd be kind of fun to take a phone that, uh, you know, didn't really need and try that mm-hmm. out with, uh, but, yeah. um. Maybe we'll do that. Yeah, but silica gel, you know, the stuff you get in the packets. Yep. Um, If you've got some recent versions of that, put it in a baggie and seal it in with that, too.
0: Yep, and that'll suck all the water out of it, too. So anyway, otherwise, a case like the gentleman in this story also works as well if you've got a waterproof case. Obviously, water-resistant is not going to work when it's floating through the ocean. Uh, But a waterproof case, uh, there's some of those out there. Of course, we've talked about OtterBox in the past. OtterBox does have some uh, pretty tight waterproof cases that you can use, but... Uh, nonetheless uh, good news there for the owner of that phone let's keep going here at&t finalizing the unicell network integration uh, from the former unicell network up in vermont at&t finalized the purchase back in december of 08 since then it's been working to make improvements on the network in addition to the integration it's had a number of cell sites to improve coverage now that the first set of improvements is complete at&t is going to work to add 3g coverage to a number of markets across the state throughout 2009 AT&T has filed a false advertising claim against Verizon Wireless with the National Advertising Division of the Council for the Better Business Bureau. Verizon Wireless uses several phrases in its uh, national advertising campaigns, such as America's Most Reliable 3G Network and America's Best 3G Network, America's Most Reliable Wireless Network, and others. AT&T says these statements can't be substantiated and call and claims that they are all false. Verizon Wireless defended its statements and asked that the U.S. judge declare them truthful. Verizon asserts that AT&T's argument relies on the incorrect premise that speeds are the essential element of the standard for measuring network reliability. The case is being heard by the U.S. District Court in New York. Well, Verizon then came back and filed a suit against AT&T, asking that the court in Manhattan rule that the Verizon claims uh, be truthful. Uh, Obviously, both of these uh, lawsuits are very, very, uh, we'll call frivolous, and we're talking about marketing campaigns that are going up one against another. So to kind of get a legal view on this, we've enlisted the help of uh, one of our long-time listeners and great friends of the show. Uh, his name is Sean, and Sean has got some audio commentary for us to explain what he thinks about this
2: lawsuit. My name is Sean Roberts. I'm an attorney in Oklahoma City. I'm part of the law firm Brown and & Roberts, and I'm going to share a few thoughts and comments on the Verizon AT&T Most Reliable Network issue. The battle between the two companies is over the definition of the phrase most reliable network. It is a phrase that Verizon has a trademark on and is used quite a bit in its advertising. Verizon, in defining that term, is focused on the breadth and quality of network coverage, and at and appears to be focused mostly on speed of the network, which it claims is superior to Verizon. The question in this matter is going to be, which standard or definition will be used to define reliable network. The difficulty for Verizon is proving to a reasonable degree of legal certainty that its advertising claims are legally and factually accurate. Verizon to do this is pointing to tests run by third parties, magazines, industry groups, it will ha- Verizon will have to convince a court of two things. Verizon's standard by which to judge reliability is the correct one and that Verizon prevails under the standard. AT&T fired the first shot in this battle by going to the, the National Association, National Advertising Review Council of the Better Business Bureau and filing a complaint saying that Verizon's most reliable network claim is false because AT&T's network is faster. Keep in mind that the the council that AT&T went to is a trade group that doesn't have authority to issue orders that have the force of law. So at best, there'll be a suggestion made to Verizon if AT&T prevails that it has to stop using the, the phrase most reliable network. Verizon's response is file a lawsuit in federal court, and they, Verizon seeks an order from a federal court that its claim of having the nation's most reliable network is correct, which would effectively end AT&T's complaint with the Advertising Council. Verizon is seeking what's known as a declaration, which is just the court saying that its claim is truthful and accurate and doesn't violate federal law. Verizon says you should look at the ability to connect to the network and the ability to complete a call or download a file to judge how reliable a, a network is. AT&T is focused almost solely on speed. The stakes are high because the most reliable network claim has so much power. One problem that Verizon may run into is in proving its case is that a third party, PC World, has found that Sprint actually has the nation's most reliable network. It finds that while Verizon's network is more reliable than AT&T's, which is not a big shocker for people that have used AT&T's network, Sprint has the most reliable network when it comes to 3G service it will be interesting to see how the the court handles this I would be surprised if Verizon can successfully convince a court to give it an order that its advertising claim most reliable network is actually true and correct
0: well Sean thank you very much uh, for that and and you know if you you want to listen to that again? I actually listened to Sean's audio comment there a few times because it was very interesting. Uh, and you know, as he says, the stakes are high because the phrase "most reliable network" really has a lot of power. But yet, nonetheless, it's very hard to determine what that actually means. Uh, honestly, I, I think when this one finally comes down to it, it's going to be a, a matter of you know who either you know, caves first or what the the court thinks is going to be, you know, really the answer to this. And it could honestly be where they just decide neither one gets to use these claims. That could be.
1: Um, I, I'm not sure, Mickey. And in, in reliability is something I would say is uh, uptime. But that doesn't really work very well in, in cell phone uh, jargon. So I, I don't know what to say. You know, I I guess, Mickey, in, in, in our, um, you know, just kind of what we know about the networks, I, I mean... It seems like Verizon would have maybe a slightly more reliable network, but I mean that's it. it you know, it's all circumstantial.
0: Yeah, and, and and really, what is the you know what does the word reliable mean? Uh, it's kind of like the answer to the question, what does is mean? And uh, you know, so who knows? Yeah, and I mean, and you know,
1: here when it you know said Sprint is the most reliable, okay. How, how, I mean, so in in that case, how can Verizon claim that if Sprint is?
0: Well, and quite honestly, I really like the fact that Sprint comes in and and actually shows that they've got a more reliable network, especially when it comes to three G service. But um, you know, any way you look at this, it's it's really going to be hard to substantiate any you know any one of these claims that who's better than others because it it depends on the exact location where you are.
1: That's that's exactly it because wireless is I mean it's such a a, a different animal. I mean, it, it you can't just say network uptime. Um, it just, it just can't, I don't know how else you can, uh, how you can really measure these claims. It's kind of the same thing with the AT&T's, uh, advertising the, 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 most coverage. Um, <laughs> but you know, in the fine print, uh, you know, it says based on global coverage. Well, that, I mean, that's a freaking joke.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're talking about who has the most roaming partners, you know? Well, yeah, that's different than having the best coverage in my mind. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, I you know there's 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 so many different ways you can interpret any of these claims and and I think that's that's the hardest thing is it, it's it's always going to be objective, you know, someone looking at this and saying um you know, how can you really, you know, base this claim on one thing or another? They're all kind of misleading in one way.
1: Yeah, because I mean if you said it that way, I mean, I can I can roam onto Verizon from my Sprint phone. So, I mean, does Sprint have better than Verizon
0: coverage? I I mean, I- what I mean, where do you where do you draw the line? Exactly. Mm hmm. Yeah. But uh, anyway, so thanks very much to Sean for for sending that information. It was uh, it was very nice to hear a legal opinion on that. So thank you much. Uh, next one here. Uh, <laughs> I love that the title of this story just makes me laugh. Captain Obvious reports <laughs> at sees surge in Wi-Fi use post <laughs> iPhone OS
1: 3.0. No, I can't imagine why they would use a, a Wi-Fi more.
0: Yeah, I you know the whole thing between this or behind this too is that now that AT and T has rolled out this Wi-Fi network and, and pretty much uh, tripled its its uh, its usage since June, um, you kind of wonder why. But then you look at what they've done and they've said that all Wi-Fi hotspots are automatically logged in now. Once you log into one for the first time on this iPhone, you don't have to go through the process of you know approving or uh, what do what they call it? Authorizing or whatever you do when you log into a Wi-Fi network. So it really makes it easy for the user to get on the network now.
1: Yeah, you told me how, how difficult it was before. No wonder you never used it because yeah. it, it sounded like a nightmare.
0: Yeah, so anyway, uh, obviously the reliability of a Wi-Fi network can oftentimes be better than one of a 3G network. So it's good that they're allowing ease of use with these networks now. And if you were unaware, if you've got an iPhone, you can use the AT&T Hotspot network for free. So check that one out. Uh, every Starbucks is in fact an AT&T hotspot. Verizon Wireless cutting 8,000 jobs to help fight costs. Verizon Communications reported its quarterly earnings stating that the company's wireless division netted 1.1 million new subscribers bringing the total up to 87.7 million. The total revenue jumped 11% to 26.86 billion. However, Verizon did see a large 21% drop in profits. The company said that it's been hit with the surging pension costs and weakening demand for some of the wireless services. In response, the company plans to reduce its contractor and employee workforce by 8,000 during the second half of 2009. Verizon indicated that its staff reductions would focus on the wireline and not wireless businesses. So I guess it's you know good to keep the numbers there. And if they can continue growing the way that they're doing, I think they're in good shape
1: yeah and you know being this is probably mostly on you know they're talking about the pensions growing this would be kind of the old uh the telco style um you know the uh where they had the the major unions and the um uh you know kind of the the, the ma bell uh companies is where this is probably really affecting them mostly
0: yeah I, I would think so too uh one other verizon story during the earnings call they announced that it would be testing the markets of boston and seattle for the forthcoming lte networks that it plans to launch We plan to conduct LTE trials in Seattle and Boston later in the year, working on commercial launches of the service in up to 30 markets in 2010. Then in 2011 and 2012, we'll continue to expand significantly with the ultimate goal being to cover all of our populations with this great product by the end of 2013. That was a comment from Chief Financial Officer John Killian, and he also said Verizon's goal is to blanket 100 million points of presence with LTE eventually. Sprint announced this week that it plans to acquire Virgin Mobile USA. Virgin Mobile is, of course, the MVNO using the Sprint network to provide cellular services. Uh, Virgin acquired Helio, another MVNO that used Sprint's network in 2008. Sprint will pay about $483 million to assume control of Virgin and its 5.2 million customers. Sprint already has a 13.1% stake in the company. Sprint says that Virgin Mobile will be maintained as a separate brand and offered alongside its Boost Mobile prepaid service. The CEO of Virgin said they will continue to run Virgin Mobile's division, but he will report now directly to Sprint CEO Dan Hesse. Sprint believes the acquisition will strengthen its prepaid offerings, reduce operational costs for the two combined companies, increase cash flow, and bolster Sprint's management. The deal is expected to close in late 2009. Sprint Nextel purchasing of Virgin Mobile has affected SK Telecom. They're now announcing that they're selling the entire stake that they had in Virgin Mobile to sprint sk telecom invested heavily in mvno helio which was of course acquired as we just mentioned by virgin in 2008 sk telecom was granted a 15.3 percent ownership in virgin mobile due to the investment in helio and they initially thought that it might partner with sprint moving forward but because the percentage of sprint stock offering offered by sk telecom is so low sk telecom has chosen to sell off the entire stake sprint grabs the femtocell industry award this week in a a mark in an announcement this week uh, they received the airwave femtocell award or the award for the airwave femtocell that was created by samsung for their services the airwave femtocell is available for sprint at a hundred dollars plus a five dollar monthly fee well and that's really not all that much news because really there aren't any other options out there right now so whatever Sprint losing lower, excuse me, now losing customers slower, shedding only 7 million customers over the last two years. Uh, Sprint's earnings report talked that they lost $384 million, uh, a total revenue decrease measured about 10%. And total subscribers slipped by about 991,000, putting the subscriber loss over the last seven quarters at 7 million subscribers. So, of course, we've talked about this many times. The majority of the customers that they're losing are coming from the IDEN side and not the CDMA side. So it's just folks that are looking to move on to bigger and better things with uh, more advanced technology and Nextel, or the old Nextel phones are just not providing them with that. So they're not sticking with Sprint. They're moving on to somebody else and showing 7 million uh, loss in the last seven quarters Uh, next one sprint's ymax roadmap gets leaked out for new cities in 2009 Uh, we've got a a roadmap here from the engadget site showing that a number of the cities that we knew were coming of course such as boston las vegas and atlanta are still on target here uh, with some additions coming in the third quarter and all the other ones In the fourth quarter, I'm going to read off the cities here in case you're in any of these. You could be looking to find WiMAX services very soon. Uh, Bellingham, Washington, Boise, Idaho, West Texas, Texas, uh, Mill—I can't even pronounce that one— mila georgia salem north Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> sorry I, I apologize for those that are in that town in georgia i can't pronounce it. salem north carolina chicago illinois philadelphia pennsylvania dallas fort worth raleigh north carolina greensboro north carolina charlotte north carolina san antonio and austin texas and an update to the baltimore maryland area so lots of uh, southern exposure there for the ymax services great to see uh, additional rollout cities here as we move forward T-Mobile announced this week that they're going to be uh, adding a new fee or changing their fees, and this could be allowing you to get out of your contract. Starting on September 1st, according to T-Mobile News, there is a fee change affecting some but not all T-Mobile customers. They are slated to raise overage costs that would change the terms of the contract for those affected. Uh, you could also then change your, uh, your contract to either to terminate or you could change your rate plan. Uh, to something else that would allow you to not be hit with all these additional costs. So uh, make sure you follow that one closely uh, if you are a T-Mobile customer looking to get out of your contract. This could be a good thing for you. Uh, some other uh, company news here. Cellular South jumping on the network, network, netbook bandwagon. Say that one three times fast. Cellular South announcing that competitors AT&T and Verizon uh, have, been, uh, have been having some big successes with the netbooks and that they are now offering the Dell Mini 10 netbook with an integrated 3G chip for $200 after rebate. So, Cellular South customers... I can pick that one up. Uh, also, MetroPCS has changed its service bundles. They announced that they will be bundling plans starting August 1st, uh, starting with a $40 plan, including unlimited nationwide talking, texting, and web access. Its $45 plan will include unlimited email, navigation, and social networking. The $30 plan and $35 local unlimited plans will now include caller ID and call waiting. And the $50 plan remains unchanged, which also offers HTML web browsing And enterprise email. Well, now to our first sponsor of the show. We talked about him at the beginning. It's Audible. And believe it or not, your Blackberry doesn't have to be all business. The complete Audible experience for Blackberry smartphones is here and it's free. They're now even throwing in a free book just for downloading the application. You can shop, sample, Download and play back audio from Audible's catalog of over 660,000 audiobooks and periodicals right to your BlackBerry. The app is available for both new and existing Audible members. To get the free BlackBerry application from Audible, send a text message with the word audiobooks to 35620 right from your phone, and for a limited time Audible is offering Thomas Friedman's best-selling book Hot, flat, and crowded, absolutely free when you download their free application. There's no credit card, no trial, and the book is yours for free just for downloading the app. So try it now. Send a text message with the words audiobooks to 35620. And also, just as a reminder, check them out over at audible.com cpj. Well, Apple files for a iPhone Nano patent. Uh, the rumors of the iPhone Nano have been roaming around here for just over a year, and a patent was filed for a, an iPhone Nano-style device, and this is according to MacNN. The design involves a very sophisticated yet complicated dual-surface user interface. The full face side of the device will be nothing more than a display, much like the iPhone is today, while the back side will be primarily dominated by a force-sensitive touch-based service. Your fingers, which... Add Act as a cursor, control the face-side UI on the back-side etched controls. The patent presents us with a wide array of models uh, that the new iPhone uh, or iPod Nano or Nano-style devices could be used, such as phones, video, uh, video, audio, calendar, email, address book, and imaging capture modes. So very interesting one there from Apple.
1: Yeah, you know, this is a patent from over two years ago, and, you know, based on what prices we have, you know, now with the iPhone... It, it doesn't seem like we'll get anything like this uh, because, you know, the, the you know smaller, maybe less feature rich would give you the, uh, uh, you know, the ability to charge less for it. But I mean, the iPhone is uh, already basically, you know, bottom basement prices unless they're thinking about bringing this into maybe um, different markets possibly. But I don't I don't know if we'll see this out there, Mickey. It seems uh, the, the navigation seems a little too bizarre um, to really be. Uh, useful with uh, especially given their current design of the iphone
0: yeah they maybe just be looking for something new though i mean it may be called the iphone nano right now but it could just morph into the iphone you never know uh you know obviously they've done some different things with the the ipods over time so i don't know we'll see yeah
1: it could just be you know proof of concept also mm-hmm. and something to, some,
0: something to patent yeah that's true also from apple a china specific iphone carrying a different model number received a five-year approval from China's State Radio Regulatory Commission uh, opening the door for the company to launch the iPhone in China. Pictures were posted and also uh, showing the phone uh, as a potential Chinese version of it. It's got Chinese writing on it as well. So we'll see what happens with this one. The software is in Chinese as well, so we could be seeing a uh, the big iPhone coming to China very, very soon. Well, uh, on the service, excuse me, service here uh, from Trio Central, they're talking about the Centro being discontinued from AT&T. This one I find kind of interesting, but not really shocking, although I'm waiting to see what they're going to replace it with, because without the Centro, AT&T doesn't have any Palm devices.
1: Yeah, and I don't think they're going to. I mean, we already know that Palm OS is basically uh, end of life from Palm. So, I mean, I I can't imagine why they'd want to uh, even replace it, because, you know, it's basically fairly old now i mean how long have they had that uh uh the gsm centro it was just after sprint had their exclusive so um basically it was early 08 probably around the february time frame uh when when they launched the centro so that i mean that device has been on the network for for quite some time and um you know that verizon was clearing their phones out uh, for ten dollars their mm-hmm. centros uh sprint still has all three colors available right now Uh, for their price of uh, $49, but I can't imagine they're going to last that much longer.
0: No, I don't think so. So if you're looking for a Centro and you want to get it new from AT&T, get it while you can. Well, T-Mobile brings the Touch Pro 2 from HTC over to the US. T-Mobile announced this week that the Touch Pro 2 Windows Mobile 6.1 smartphone would be available starting August 12th. The Touch Pro 2 has a 3.6-inch sliding screen, revealing a full QWERTY keyboard that tilts up for easier viewing. The Touch Pro 2 will support T-Mobile's 3G network, including Wi-Fi, GPS, stereo, Bluetooth, featuring a 3.2-megapixel camera with autofocus and video capture. The Touch Pro 2 will be available at T-Mobile stores and select retailers online pricing has not yet been disclosed at&t's capable touch diamond 2 now at the fcc the htc topa 210 also known as the topaz warhawk or touch diamond 2 is uh, over at the fcc sports the 850 and 1900 megahertz band so would be available for use here in the u.s on at&t Doesn't mean that AT&T will release the device, but it does mean that if it does finally get approved and roll here to the U.S., you could be using it for 3G use on AT&T. The final build of Windows Phone was shown off. This is a story from the boy Genius, the formerly known build of Windows Mobile 6.5 has removed the word mobile finally. And when questioned in the video, they're referring to it simply as Windows Phone. Has things like a Zunish user interface, the Windows Marketplace, and the free My Phone Sync service. A lot of different services here that uh, we are expecting to see on Windows Mobile 6.5, now just known as Windows Phone. We'll finally roll this one out, hopefully by the end of the year. I don't know, Joey, any thoughts on this? Is this just a branding nightmare or is it just me? It's a branding
1: nightmare. Branding nightmare. I have to say, <laughs> it's a branding nightmare. Well, what, Microsoft has been fairly bad at branding. I mean, how many times have their products over the years changed schemes? I mean, we, you know, take Windows. Windows, you know, it used to be three, then it changed to 95, and then it changed. It, well, then at the same time, then there was NT, and then there was an NT 3.5, you know, there was a 3.5, and then there was 4.0. But then at the same time, then they released uh, uh, 98, and then there was a, an ME for millennium edition and then there's uh 2000 mixed in there then they went back to uh, you know xp which you know uh, was a different name then they went to a vista which was a name now they're back to windows 7
0: <laughs> can they ever make up their mind i you know i thought they had something when they went windows 5 windows mobile 5 windows mobile 6 and eh, we're not really upgrading it so we'll go to 6.1 we're giving some more changes how about 6.5 we're gonna hit 7 but that's gonna be a major change it makes sense to people, I think, when you do those those naming schemes that have numbers in them because at least you can then see, you know, you know, hey, I've got a Windows device with Windows Mobile 5. Well, I can tell you that's a phone from like 2004, 2005. You know, I mean, it's very, very easy. And uh, now we're just going to call it Windows Phone because they don't want to confuse the customers with these naming conventions anymore, which will probably confuse people even more because they won't know what it kind will. of OS yeah, they have on their it, phone. It will. And of course, uh, I, I just couldn't
1: believe how many years microsoft has uh kept up with the year naming convention on their on their applications it would make perfect sense if they upgraded their apps every year but they don't so it it makes things look so outdated like you know at, at at the office i'm still running windows server 2003 yep okay that tells me oh this is six years old wow but if it was Windows, you know, uh, what would that one be called? I think that's Windows 5.1 or 5.5 servers, what that would be called, because mm-hmm. um, it, it's a, an XP variant. That just makes more sense, really. I mean, it just does, because you don't have to be pressured by the year making it sound old.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know what to say, um, but we're going to try our hardest not to call this <laughs> Windows Mobile anymore, and we'll just call it Windows Phone. So anyway, uh, that was a story from that we found in the Boy Genius, but it actually referred to a video from the Enquirer. So on the BlackBerry side, T-Mobile and RIM announced a very exciting device this week. The BlackBerry 8520 will be hitting T-Mobile and Walmart stores on the 5th of August. The most notable feature of the 8520 is that the long-used trackball for optical navigation uh, for navigation has been replaced with an optical trackpad for on-screen navigation. According to Rim, the 8520 is the first BlackBerry to have its own dedicated media keys. Quad-band edge and GSM with Wi-Fi and stereo Bluetooth. Also features a full QWERTY keyboard, 2 megapixel camera with video capture, three and a half millimeter headset jack, support for microSD cards up to 16 gigabytes cost $130 with a new agreement and qualifying data plan. And just as a teaser for this, we've got an exciting unlocked show coming up this week with uh, Craig Johnston from Crackberry.com, where he may have some information for us about this 8520. Uh, The 8530 could be headed to Verizon touting wi-fi according to the boy genius the 8530 could be coming in a cdma variant with similar specs as a toned down two megapixel camera still with a qwerty keyboard running one xrtt and evdo for data the os would be upgraded to possibly 5.0 bluetooth and wi-fi bng are also included in this with a screen of a 320 by 240 resolution the BlackBerry Bold gets the Telstra Blue Tick certification for the signal strength. Uh, this the Blue Tick certification we've talked about in the past as being one of the things that the network looks at to uh, inform its customers of devices that can be used to pick up signal in areas that are constantly plagued by low reception the blue tick certification is something that's only given to certain phones such as the trio pro and uh, now the blackberry bold as well as a couple other non-smartphone style handsets Uh, this is of course only important if you're in australia nonetheless it does tell us that the bold is a good signal device well the sprint htc hero could be coming in october followed by the blackberry curve 8530 in November. This information comes to us uh, via Engadget, which is from the XDA Developers Forum, and it talks about how both of these devices could be coming sooner than we think. The Hero, which is the Android device that we've seen a lot of information on recently, and the BlackBerry 8330, also known, excuse me, 8530, known as the Aries, the replacement to the Curve 8330, uh, could be coming as soon as the 1st of November. Well, Motorola's Shulls, Do you want some Motorola's Shules? This is apparently the first Android-based device from the uh, company that we talked about earlier in the show. Uh, Motorola, of course, uh, looking to find its way in the mobile space with something that will gather people's attention. The Shules looks to be a device that's got a uh, landscape sliding QWERTY keyboard revealing uh, uh, with uh, some sort of... I can't even tell what that is. I guess it's a five-way D-pad of some sort on it. Uh, Looks very similar, of course, to any other um, Windows mobile device that you've got a landscape slider on it. It's got a 3.7-inch touchscreen on it, which is a nice size, uh, but little less uh, other than that as far as specifications at this point. uh, Hopefully we're actually working to get someone to talk to from Motorola on this one as well. Samsung and AT&T making the solstice official. Samsung announced the availability of the Samsung Solstice, which is a quad-band GSM and Edge device with dual-band 850 and 1900 3G radios, 3-inch touchscreen running the TouchWiz user interface with a landscape software QWERTY keyboard for text and data input, 2-megapixel camera, uh, including video, Bluetooth, support for microSD cards up to 16 gigs, and available now for $100 after rebates. Novatel introduces the HSPA version of the MiFi, the MiFi uh, twenty three seventy two, supporting quad band GSM and EDGE and tri band HSDPA and UMTS networks up to seven point two megabits per second, and GPS location services. The MiFi is a Wi-Fi hotspot allowing multiple devices, including phones and laptops, to access 3G data services all at once. The MiFi 2372 has a microSD card slot for storage and has internal memory on an onboard applications processor that can power applications and media. Well, world G- GPS smartphone shipments have hit 77 million. Despite the slumping economy, the firm Strategy Analytics has said that the market for GPS enabled smartphones will hit 77 million units worldwide. By the end of the year that is a growth rate of 34 percent compared to the 57 million units sold in 2009 there are several factors driving this growth the first reason is wide consumer acceptance of gps devices and vehicles the second is that mobile navigation services are improving finally the increasing presence of mapping applications from major phone vendors increases the popularity of the services so it looks like we've got a, a lot of people out there that have got gps On their handsets. Well, an official LG spokesperson posted some pictures this week of the LG BL40, known as the new chocolate phone, to his Twitter account. Pictures showed a slim monoblock phone with a large four inch wide screen, which is a 21 by 9 high def display, Uh, also a five megapixel camera with uh, flash, but not much else was known. Then a day later, LG announced that the BL40 New Chocolate would indeed have these specifications a 4-inch screen with that 21 by 9 aspect ratio, uh, calling it high def and a real VGA experience, noting that it uses a dual-screen user interface that can show two different types of content at the same time. The display is protected by curved-tempered glass. No information about radio technologies, but noted it would be available across 54 different countries by the end of the third quarter. Uses GSM based technologies rather rather than CDMA, likely, as it would be uh, current. The current chocolate phones are being sold by Verizon Wireless. Well, documents seen at the FCC confirming the existence of a GSM based Motorola phone that would support a 1700 megahertz AWS uh, spectrum, uh, the same that T Mobile uses with the 3G services. Uh, We look back at the one that we just talked about, and we're thinking that the Motorola Shules could be coming soon to T Mobile. Verizon dropping pricing on almost all existing smartphones to under $100. That's right. Almost every single smartphone that's available from uh, Verizon Wireless is now available uh, with a two-year contract for under $100. Uh, the one exception to that is the Samsung Saga and the BlackBerry Tour.
1: Mickey, I think this you know really got started when the Centro came out for $99. Do you remember how uh, how much of a shockwave that... Uh, put out and we had, uh, uh, you know, a smartphone under $100, you know, $99 uh, at that time. Um, that was quite a uh, quite a discount.
0: Yeah. And, I, you know, honestly, I look at this and, you know, I, I think that it's really time, you know, we've, we finally hit the time where people can buy just about any phone that they want for a reasonable price. You can get um, you know, all these different smartphones, you can get the features that you want. Granted, you're signing yourself up for an additional data plan with it on most of these, but that's kind of how they can do it. They can get you into a device for a low amount, and then you can sign up and get pay their services, get your, your ARPU to increase a little bit, and look at that. You're paying a little bit more every month, but you've got yourself a smartphone. So uh, very, very good. So if you're on the hunt for a new Verizon phone, you wait until the right time, you can get some good deals on them right now. Thanks to our second sponsor of course you know them it's Netflix and Netflix has been a sponsor for the last few months and we've been doing real well with them so we want to keep continuing with their uh, with them and we, to do so we need your support so you can support us, The Cell Phone Junkie Podcast, by signing up for a two-week free trial. Plan starting at four ninety nine per month with over 100,000 titles to choose from. Keep each movie as long as you want with no late fees ever. Free shipping both ways. Free delivery in about one business day. Cancel any time. And as a bonus to your DVDs, you can watch some of the movies over the internet for no additional charge. Joey and I appreciate your support of the show for signing up for a free trial. Well, I had originally wanted to talk about Netflix and my movie pick of the week, being Forgetting Sarah Marshall, but I wanted to change it to a movie that I watched last night and it was over the uh, Watch Instantly option on a Vista Media Center that I have uh, directly streamed from the internet. And it was a movie called Super Size Me. And I I bring this one up not because I want to gross anyone out or explain you know why to anyone what the, the virtues of uh, uh, you know not eating fast food are, but boy, this was a very interesting movie uh, for me honestly I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fast food fan I don't eat it a whole lot, maybe a couple of times a month, um, but I am on the go quite a bit, so it does occasionally run into the fact where I need to grab something very quick. but just watching somebody eat McDonald's for three times a day for thirty straight days just Made me lose all interest for McDonald's for months. I, I don't know how he possibly did this. It, it was just absolutely fascinating. But uh, if you ever, if you're interested in finding out more, you can watch it instantly, which was kind of nice because I didn't even realize it was on the instant queue and I had it set to come uh, just in a couple of weeks. Uh, on the queue, but uh, didn't have to because I watched it online. So that's one of the great features of having Netflix is you can do so. Uh, but I also watched Forgetting Sarah Marshall this week as well, which is a very funny movie, a little bit crass, but uh, nonetheless, very comical.
1: And on the, the Roku Mickey this week, I watched some uh, Dog the Bounty Hunter episodes.
0: Oh, okay. All right. You know, he's, he's, he's a riot. I, I really like him. It's a lot of fun. So... Anyway, sign up for Netflix, please. Just give it a two-week free trial. You don't have to stay. We just appreciate your help uh, helping support us by signing up for a trial. All right, let's get into some software here. The iPhone had a security hole that was released this week at a conference showing that an iPhone could be infected through an SMS text message. The interesting thing that was happening was a message was showing up on the user's phone that was showing essentially just a number of character, I guess it was characters or squares or some kind of strange uh, things that were showing up there. But it was actually the last message uh, of, I think, 500 that were being sent to the phone. And basically then it was allowing the user to take advantage or take a hold of the phone, make calls, send messages, take pictures and everything from the device. Basically, you lose control of the device. So what they're saying, a very easy way to overcome this, if this happens to you where you get a message where it's just a bunch of characters or squares, just turn the phone off. Uh, It will allow then the... The whatever has just happened to the phone to basically get flushed out and go away and uh, not to say that the user couldn't do it again uh, but was it would require them to do the same process to take advantage of it. And Apple quickly acted and announced iPhone OS 3.0.1's uh, software update available to all users via iTunes. It fixed the widely publicized security flaw, and would uh, also features uh, added no new features, uh, but it would basically fixing uh, other small updates. There did other updates that didn't really fix much to the phone, but uh, that obviously was a big one. And the big news from the update, though, was that it the unlocks and jailbreaks. That were set and uh, being used for the iPhone OS 3.0 software were working now on 3.0.1. Turns out that both Red Snow and Ultra Snow are working every bit as good as they did with the old software. The only catch is you have to use uh, the 3.0 file when prompted for the IPSW, and the dev team says that it's working on it, but pretty minor as far as all the other inconveniences we've had uh, in all the previous releases of the new software. And probably the biggest news of the week, we've got a few stories here to reference with this, Uh, GV Mobile and Voice Central, both applications on the iPhone that were used to take advantage and contact the Google Voice service and pull information down for the user, were mysteriously removed from the iTunes application store. iPhone developer Sean Kovacs posted to his blog that his client, the GV Mobile service, was being pulled due to duplicating features that the iPhone comes with, including the dialer, SMS, and others. Kovacs says that he received a call from Apple staffer who wouldn't send him a confirmation either as he was too scared that they would be posting it. The app still appears in the App Store, or did at the time of the writing of this article, but told them that when you click on it, that the item you tried to buy is no longer available. Voice Central was also pulled, and uh, people have started to get a little curious as to what was going on. Uh, f- following this up, the Google Voice iPhone application that was submitted directly by Google was rejected, and uh, this one came directly from the official Google blog, stating that the Google Voice application that they had put so much time into was not going to be given the green light by the Cupertino company. The Google Voice app for GV Mobile, or the GV Mobile app, has now been ported over to jailbroken iPhones, so if you want to take advantage of the services that it has, you can jailbreak your phone, go into the Cydia store, and download the application. The FCC opened up an investigation on Apple's rejection of the application formally requesting information from Apple, AT&T, and Google concerning the rejection of the application. And uh, AT&T has already responded to this, stating that uh, basically AT&T does not manage or approve applications for the App Store. They've received the letter and will, of course, respond to it. But they're basically saying that this is all on uh, Apple and that AT&T had nothing to do with it. Of course, looking into the statements that were sent to each of them, it appeared that AT&T uh, and Apple were not really the cause of this and that it was really uh, the FCC that was looking into why this particular service would be, in fact, uh, not let, let through. It's very interesting. I, I, I'm not really sure, honestly, that this is something people... Uh, would have really grabbed on too much if it would have just been, um, if it wouldn't have got so much attention uh, online. And and that's kind of what's interesting about how all of our, you know, news goes these days is that something like this gets a lot of press. Because if you want, and I was talking, I've been thinking about this, you can easily go on to google.com slash voice on your iPhone right now. And there's a very decent iPhone interface that allows you to send and receive text messages, make your phone calls and do everything you want through the web browser without too much hassle. Uh, obviously, it doesn't do things such as pulling your um, your messages down and showing them in a Google or a, a visual voicemail style uh, layout, but it's still a very nice way of looking at things. Uh, and I, I don't see it as too big of a deal. But I don't know, Joey, I, I wanted to find out your opinion on this, because I know you're a relatively new Google voice user. Um, but do you think that, you know, this is something that is going to get overturned or what do you think?
1: Well, I think they've, they've got no choice, uh, with the amount of attention they're receiving. Um, because you know, they're, they're really going to be proven to be the bad guy here. And that, and of course that's, you know, been the, uh, you know, the, the the argument all along with AT&T, um, I, I know they have restrictions on this because Apple, why would they care about this app? And yeah. They just wouldn't. Uh, it, it's solely coming from AT&T. And, you know, obviously here as users, we've got, um, you know, to, to, to not have competing applications. And we know that they shot down the selling box. Uh, we know that uh, we, we've, we, we're Skype? missing out on that. We're missing out on Skype. Um, anytime that they're losing, uh, you know, the potential to possibly lose revenue, they're going to say, no, it doesn't matter. Just put their foot down because they don't understand, uh, that people are going to either get around it somehow by either jailbreaking or some other application or some other way to work around this. Um, instead of just eating the, it's instead of just, you know, uh, trying to suck it up and maybe provide a competitive service. They don't even bother. They just say, nope, not going to allow it. And they get all this bad press for it. And it's it, it, we're, we're going to see this time and time again. And it, it's just, it is frustrating. Um, obviously, I don't have an iPhone, so it doesn't affect me directly. But, you know, I hope, you know, this makes an example of their process uh, of these apps and really, really gets people aware that, you know, the the, the carrier that you're on, it, it's totally a conflict of interest for the services that you want to use
0: yeah well and here's the thing is they they continually talk about how it's about duplicating functionality on the phone but i i would throw out there something as simple as the fact that when you get your iphone out of the box it comes with a weather application but one of the first applications that i downloaded for the phone was the weather channels application and it builds on what that that application does obviously you click on weather on the iphone it shows you the temperature in the city that you're in well the Weather Channel's application shows you temperatures, shows you radar, shows you severe weather alerts, shows you video. Show, I mean, it's all these different options that it allows you to do, but it's still duplicating the functionality of showing you what the weather is. I, I don't buy that as an excuse. Well, it's not an excuse because
1: AT&T doesn't allow you to have um, your phone number that you, you have for your mobile phone be uh, allowed to uh, ring other phones. Does it? No. No, I would not do that. Nope. Uh, do you have call screening? No. No. Do you, let's see, can you do text messages from the from a web
0: interface that's easy? No, because if I could do that, why would I have text messaging at all? I just have them all Oh, s- wait a minute. Mm. Oh, that's right. That cuts <laughs> down our revenue. Oh,
1: forget that.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, here's the thing. You sent me a message right before the show and uh, I got the message on my phone. It used a text message, but guess what? I then went to the Google Voice interface because I was sitting right here at my computer which I leave up in a tab all the time. Saw that there was a message there. Quickly replied to it on my computer. You got a message back. So the text message exchange that is usually two messages is now just one. And I think that's kind of that's the kind of thing that they don't really like, is they don't want that to be happening, and people stop using as many messages on their network because it's people like me who only spend the five dollars for the two hundred text messages per month, but you know I can easily uh, ma- basically make that to be almost four hundred now because. About half your messages, if you think about it, are ones that are sent. And if you can do those now from the web, it makes things really easy. So uh, a lot of different things accompany this as well. International calling is a big thing that uh, seems to be an issue International calling on at and is not exceptionally cheap, and doing it through Google Voice is pennies a minute, so lots of lots of things that I could see them being upset with, but it is kind of a bummer that uh, this is where it is, but no uh, resolution just yet. It wasn't until this past Friday that the FCC sent out these letters, so it's only been a few days. So we'll see some responses here, I bet, in the next week.
1: And it's like I've I've kind of, you know, uh, harped on over time and time again, even our home internet connections, you know, mm-hmm. coming through the cable company. It's just, it's an absolute conflict when you've got the services like the Netflix Roku streaming uh, streaming video. Uh, I don't need one of their digital cable packages or any of the other uh, stuff they provide, including the pay-per-view, when I have this service. Uh, and of course, they're probably trying to do everything in their power to, to uh, stop this.
0: There's going to be a time when, I bet you they do, and that's going to be the time when we all... You know, throw our arms up and say, okay, look, we have to figure out something because the, the content that we are getting provided to us from these services like Netflix and the services like Google Voice, they, these are the things that we want to do. If we wanted these, I don't want to call them antiquated, but these traditional services to be our only options, then uh, we wouldn't be looking into all these other great things that are out there right now. Yeah. And,
1: and like I've said before, it, it really should be a utility. It should be coming from your city, you know, your internet connection. Um, and, and now up and coming here, it should be your wireless connection, your wireless data connection, uh, where there's no you know, corporate policy and, and profit margin that's really driven uh, you know, to deliver your internet connection that has a conflict you know, like t- cable TV or the, or the phone providers, you know, based on long distance and Skype and your home cable connection, uh, for internet, you know, competing with your TV and video service. So it, it just, it, it's just a tough one. And, you know, the, the companies, of course, now they're so entrenched, they have a uh, lobbying power to keep cities from, uh, building out a utility, uh, you know,
0: an internet utility. It's, uh, it, it's not a very good situation we're in. No, it's not. And uh, as a primarily a primary user, I guess I should say my <clears throat> my primary number is my Google Voice number. I'm very interested in this, and I, I'm not so much as you know interested in using a service like Google Voice on the phone as I just want to know or an application, I just want to know that this, you know, that something like this is not going to be restricted, because I want to continue to be able to use that phone number. It wasn't until a couple of months ago, I made the switch over to it, because I was afraid that something was ultimately going to happen. But I think Google's got, you know, got some momentum behind him. I don't think it's going away. It's just going to be a while uh, before stuff like this gets pushed through as approved.
1: Yeah, I mean, and then of course, on the other side of things, what happens uh, when AT&T decides, well, uh, we shouldn't be having uh, Google Voice. We we shouldn't accept calls from Google oh. Voice. I mean, they can find the database out. They, yeah. they'll, they'll know what the numbers are of Google Voice. They may start restricting them.
0: Here's the other thing that you can do. You can set your Google Voice number to be the caller ID that comes through on your phone. That's an option. And if you've got a service like T-Mobile's, MyFave's, or... The what I don't know, whatever Verizon calls it, where you get to choose your five numbers from people you want to get calls from. If you give your Google Voice number out and you set that as one of those numbers, guess what? That's the caller ID that comes through. That's what the network recognizes, and it's all your calls coming in, and you can essentially get unlimited calls if people are calling that one number. So, uh, and here's the other thing when you make a call through the Google Voice service, guess what that's the number that comes through so that you're when you make a call it connects you and that's the number that comes through so if you played it right if you had that unlimited service where you know you could be getting doing tons and tons of calls, thousands of minutes, if you really felt it by just using this one service. So um, I guess there could be some things that the carriers are looking at. And they, you know, they want to make sure that they don't get into a a trap where they're losing money. Because it's, you know, they're still businesses, I I definitely understand it. But it's frustrating for the consumer when it affects them affects us like this. So Uh, but anyway, let's move on. We've got some other stuff we want to talk about. And we still have questions and comments. Google overhauling the links in the mobile Gmail application. Google rolled out a new feature of the mobile Gmail application that allows now a feature called Smart Links, taking any large URL that is embedded in the email and automatically shortening the link uh, to a named link instead rather than a string of URL data. Users will see underlined text representing to where that link is. To start, the feature will support plain text emails with Google-generated URLs for Google Maps. Address queries, Google Maps, directional queries, Google Sites web pages, and YouTube videos. Google plans to support more link types over time. The unofficial Google Voice client for Palm Pre makes its way to the uh, uh, application store for the Palm Pre. So if you're a pre user and you want to check this one out for uh, your phone, you can do so. And guess what? It's not restricted. So we'll see how long that lasts. And if you just thought that you were never going to get yourself a Google Voice number issued, a company called 3Jam is doing the same thing. They are launching a virtual phone numbers beta site. And it allows essentially the same usage uh, as far as offering call forwarding to simultaneous phones that will ring all at the same time, visual voicemail, uh, as well as email notifications and transcriptions. Uh, There are several key benefits that it also has that allow for Uh, things that Google Voice does not offer at this point. It lets you take calls not just to phones, but also on Skype or instant messaging clients. Phone numbers for groups, including shareable voicemail, group text messaging, and micro PBX features. Receiving and responding to text messages via email. That's a big one. If you've got a push email service or just don't want to get your text messages via SMS, you can get them sent to email now. Number portability, free developer APIs for each phone number, international support, and white label availability. Uh, lots of different things that you could, you may be interested in with this. I thought about signing up for a number and then realized I just really don't need one at this point. So I'll uh, skip this one. But if you want to check out a service that's comparable to Google Voice, but not run by Google, check out 3Jam. Verizon Wireless announced some App Store details this week at its developer conference, a number of details about the upcoming vCast App Store and partnerships, including Qualcomm, RIM, and Microsoft. Verizon noted that it does not want to compete with RIM and Microsoft's own App Stores and that it will work so that they can all complement one another, specifically in partnering with RIM uh, and will work to to cross-promote apps that are available in both BlackBerry app world and Verizon's vCast app store, Verizon is looking for developers to create both on-device and in-browser applications for the phones, is providing developers with such tools, such as location APIs to take advantage of phones that have GPS built in. Billing issues are still being worked out. Verizon's goal is to provide users with a one-click experience. Developers that create apps for the Vcast store have access to Verizon's billing systems and marketing. Verizon will not charge developers to submit them and will split the revenue 70-30 with Verizon. Verizon hopes that the submission approval process will take no longer than 14 days. Verizon also took the time to reiterate its commitment to Qualcomm's brew platform for feature phones, and it will also take a it it will also offer brew developers an open catalog that simplifies certification and onboard uh, processes. It will also support free applications and support uh, speed up the time it takes to get apps to the market. The vcast app store is uh, expected to launch sometime in the fourth quarter. AT&T bundling Facebook, Twitter, and MySpace into one application they're calling SocialNet. The free download lets users log in to access their Facebook, Twitter, and MySpace accounts from one application. SocialNet has a carousel-based user interface that allows users to switch between those networks. It will let them update and view their status, send tweets, view and comment on pictures, and uh, the application will uh, include a reader that will stream headlines from 35 news sites. SocialNet were. Uh, social net will use pop-up notifiers to let users that they have new messages or content to view the app is available from the MediaNet portal supporting roughly 20 handsets including lg motorola nokia samsung and sony ericsson sidekicks lx 2009 gets support for microsoft exchange email Uh, in a uh, announcement from them uh, on a product they're calling sidekick sync you can now synchronize your microsoft exchange account supporting push email full calendar and contact syncing it must be downloaded from the sidekick catalog costing five dollars per month with a sidekick data plan Samsung revealed that it plans to expand a mobile application storefront beyond a beta test and plans to launch uh, the full launch in European markets later in the quarter. The limited beta uh, store is currently available in the UK, Samsung, and uh, others have said that users of Windows Mobile and Symbian-based Samsung handsets will access, uh, download mobile applications for the content. It's not clear how billing will be handled, uh, nor what sort of partnerships are foregoing are forging with the European network operators. Developers will be able to submit applications through the web-based portal that is yet to launch. Samsung has not announced any plans to bring the store yet to the U.S., BlackBerry's App World version 1.1 is now available. Updated features include enhanced performance, search and find to find exactly what you're looking for, loading even more of your favorite applications onto your micro SD card, and a memory indicator so you always know exactly how much memory you have for new uh, programs that you want to download. Some questions and comments here today. First one, a comment from David. He says, uh, have you seen this? Uh, and this is a linked over to the Google Voice mobile getting pulled from the App Store. I use GV Mobile in the paid version. And if this is true, I am very upset. Dave, well, yes, Dave, we just talked about it quite at length here. And uh, yeah, we're a little upset about it too. Uh, but like I said, we'll see here what happens with this and what the ultimate result is for what they decide to do. Next one, a comment from Matt And he says, Joey, did I hear you say that you were watching Dead Like Me? That was a great series. Don't forget that after the two seasons, they created a movie, Dead Like Me, Life After Death. You may have to rent it on DVD on that one, though, Matt. Nope. That one is streaming available on the Roku as well, and it's actually on my instant queue. Very nice, very nice. There's uh, there's a lot of stuff on there. Check it out, Netflix. You can also head over to thecellphonejunkie.com. Click on the link on the right side of the screen to get you signed up for that two week trial. And uh, by clicking on the link that we have over at the Cell Phone Junkie, it allows us to track it and get credit for your sign up. Question from Danilo It says Hey guys, great work, really useful stuff you have on your site. Have a question. If a carrier is using a GSM and Edge network, uh, do they? What do they need to do to set up uh, a, an offer in HSDPA network? Is it just an add-on to the network, or would they need to set up a completely different one? Thanks again. Well, so looking at what this actually means, let's kind of briefly describe what HSDPA means. It's obviously a, a, an acronym. It stands for High Speed Downlook, Downlink Packet Access. It's the 3G technology that is deployed by the GSM carriers and uh, is taking advantage of the higher speeds using the bandwidth more efficiently. It, uh, HSDPA is a software upgrade to the UMTS network, uh, who's using signaling and radio network uh, topology that is sharing a common node with the GSM network. What that means is it's using the same... Uh, piece of hardware, but it's essentially a a, a separate network. Uh, Joey, I'm not sure what you have uh, what you can add to this one. But um, on the technical side of it, it's essentially, you're using the you can use the same equipment as far as infrastructure, but you have to set up, I think you have to set up different, um, actually different panels or different towers, or at least different hardware that to send the equipment because it's not as easy as just flipping a switch, I think.
1: Yeah, I, I am not entirely sure either. It, it may involve, you know, it depends on what equipment is there at the tower site. I would imagine some of it's probably firmware upgradable, software programmed, um, you know, interfaces that then communicate with the actual antennas. You know, the radios are, are some of them are programmable, some, some of them probably are not
0: yeah and and honestly i i guess the the real answer is if it was just as simple as a a quick firmware upgrade i believe they would probably be doing the rollout much faster than they are so i believe it's requiring all additional equipment to process the amount of data that it's you know pushing through uh also it does handle the voice as well uh which is a different uh you know a a difference from the evdo counterpart so they're actually having to take you know and process all the voice calls as well so it it is i'm i'm pretty sure it's print, you know, it's new hardware and that they're having to roll out new things at every site that they, they go to. Typically, though, the nice thing is they're rolling it out in the same frequencies. So if you're in an area where AT&T, uh, for example, has the bandwidth in the 9, 1900 megahertz spectrum, they're rolling out the, the new HSDPA service also on the 1900 megahertz spectrum. So it can be used in the same locations and provide essentially the same coverage as long as the power outputs are the same. So you know, uh, uh, that's kind of the, the long and short of it. But, um, I don't know if anyone wants to help us out with that one, they certainly can. We're happy to, uh, to oblige by passing the information on to Danilo. Next one, here's a question from James. He says, Mickey, how's it going? I was wondering if I could get your advice. For some reason, I've had a real bad urge to get the BlackBerry 8900. I'm not really sure why though, as I've never used one and I love my touch pro too, but I do know how popular they are. Do you still use yours and what's your opinion? Thanks, James. Well, um, the one that I had was one that I was only using for a brief period of time it was a review device from T-Mobile and at the time honestly I thought it was probably the best Blackberry that I had used I love the keyboard I thought it was absolutely fantastic very comfortable to type on uh, it's a, the one flaw is that it does not have 3G in it you're only you're relegated to edge and G, uh, GSM as far as that is concerned it does have a 3.2 megapixel camera sport from micro SD cards um, you know the Wi-Fi in it so if you're on Wanted to use it on a service that you know allows for use of the uh, uh, the services that allow for calling over Wi-Fi. That's something that you can take advantage of too if you're on T-Mobile. I know you're uh, I, I, you're obviously not, but um, <clears throat> take advantage of what your you know what your carrier has to offer if they offer the phone and you can get it for a lower rate. I, I think it's a good phone though. Um, since I've had it, my brother-in-law has actually purchased one and absolutely loves it. It's he, you know says it's probably the best device he's ever used. So. If you're a BlackBerry fan and you're really just looking for something to uh, to hit the all the high points of what a BlackBerry can do for you without the 3G, that's the one thing it doesn't have, I would say take a look at it very strongly. Um, if you're looking for a, a, a device that does have 3G in it, the BlackBerry Bold or the 9000 series is a little bit bigger, but it'd still be you know a good option for you too. Um, but I'm guessing you've got your reasons for looking at that. It's a nice size. It's very, very nice to hold in the hand. I, I like it a lot, so... Uh, next one here, comment from Dave. He says, hi, I've some thoughts on the Google voice issue that I wanted to pass along. I contend that I can't imagine a huge amount of U.S. iPhone users making international calls with Google Voice and that most are probably using Google Voice to aggregate several phone numbers into one and to mask their mobile number. Also, if the majority of AT&T wireless subscribers are staying within their calling plan and airtime limits, then where's the loss of revenue for AT&T? I have difficulty believing that people without unlimited text messaging rarely mismanage their usage so badly that AT&T sees a huge windfall from overcharges. I also have difficulty believing that people would drop their text messaging plans altogether in favor of Google Voice. I don't see a significant loss to text message count, airtime usage for voicemail and SMS because of the service. I expect that Google will... Parse text messages, translated voicemail messages, Gmail, and Google Docs for marketing purposes to help further define their advertising models. If Apple and AT&T feel threatened by this, how does blocking a cell phone application affect this? Especially when the subscriber can use Safari to access the content. And that is exactly my point, Dave. That I've been doing this since the beginning, and it works just fine. Whether my supposition is right or not, things seem to point back to the iPhone SMS app. Does Apple lose revenue if the SMS is processed through a third-party application? If it's not about text, phone, or data usage for AT&T, is there a condition of the contract between Apple and AT&T that Apple is enforcing? What would that be? This whole thing seems totally bizarre, Dave. Well, Dave, you know, again, going back to this, we, you know, we certainly uh, kind of are thinking the same thing. It is quite bizarre at this point. We don't yet have an answer and uh, probably won't here for no- at least the next couple of weeks. But hopefully we'll see some responses from some of these carriers and we'll be sure to pass them on. Next one here, a voicemail from Tynan.
2: Hey Mickey and Joey, uh, this is Tynan. I just had a quick question. I'm not sure if Joey might be more uh, versed on this because he's a big Sprint fan, but you see those Palm Pre-Commercials and Sprint is advertising their 4G network. I'm just wondering what 4G network this is because I know they don't have LTE yet. Uh, if they did, none of their current phones would run on it. Is it more like a 3.5G a or... Uh, something like that. I was just, just wanted to know because people have asked me about it, and I just wanted an answer from you guys. Thank you, and uh, enjoy the show. I'll see you later.
0: All right, Tynan, thanks very much for the voicemail. So uh pretty simple answer to this. The 4G network that they're referring to is the new WiMAX network that they're rolling out. We talked about it earlier in the news about Sprint, that they had a leaked uh, roadmap come out this week, and a lot of cities down in the south are the ones that they're referring to as being new points of service. And yeah, it's not available everywhere yet. But they do have a 4g network. If you think about it in this few cities that they do have, you can get WiMAX services, which is a 4g technology. So that's what they're referring to in the commercials. And it's not simply an upgrade to their EVDO or uh, CDMA services. And a comment from Dave. Dave says, hi, FYI, below in my signature is uh, what I just uh, sent feedback to Google Voice using the send feedback link. The submit button is slow. It takes about 60 seconds to complete. I sent feedback because I tried to set up a second Google Voice number that that is local to my retired parents in Florida. But I didn't have a spare phone number to assign to the Google Voice number and Google Voice does not allow me to assign the same cell phone to more than one Google Voice account. I like the idea of a parents and in-laws feature where I can create local numbers for them to use to call me and from their landline. This concept is similar to something uh, to and might be something that you'd like to advance to your podcast's. Dave. So here was Dave's comment. He said, For those in sales and marketing whose territory covers several U.S. states, to appear to be local to your customer mar- consumer markets by having a local or regional phone number is desirable. Having several Google Voice numbers per Google Voice account would be ideal, where each GV number is assigned to its own voicemail message and email address, or allow multiple Google Voice accounts to point to the same set of phone numbers. Personally, I like the multiple Google Voice numbers per account option. An individual may want up to three google voice numbers one for themselves where they live a local number where their parents live and their and a local number where their in-laws live so that they can both use to call them locally at any given time i think dave's on to something here and quite honestly i have done something similar to this before i've set up numbers in different cities using different services which are now defunct but uh if you remember back to gosh it was probably like the earlier episodes of the cell phone junkie back in, you know, the the teens, I had set up numbers in like New York and uh, LA, Chicago, Minnesota, Denver, I don't remember where else. But anyway, you could call locally, essentially from any of these places. And uh, all your calls, all the voicemails would get routed back to me. Uh, None of those work anymore. But I see the idea of having having something like this. And another way that you can do it, is if you have if you get another virtualized service like the service that we talked about earlier which granted I don't know if this is you know quite the answer but it is you know something that you could look at with like a service like 3jam where you could set up a number with them that's local and that number could then forward to your cell phone and then your Google voice number that you have set somewhere else could then forward to that one which then forwards so you can do that so not exactly ideal but nonetheless something you know at least something to think about but I know what you're saying it's kind of annoying that you have to set it up in you know only using one number I've actually got two Google voice numbers Uh, And one of them I have basically forwarding nowhere, it just it sends all the calls directly to voicemail, which is fine by me. That's what I use as the home phone. Whenever someone, you know, says like, can I have your phone number, I'd give them that phone number, it's not my Google voice number, which actually phone calls come through to me. So I use that one quite a bit. So um, anyway, there's a couple of ways you can get around it. But I definitely see what you're saying, it would be nice to have multiple numbers roll to that one particular cell phone that you have. So anyway, but Uh, Hopefully that answers that, uh, and thanks very much for the comment on it at least. And uh, that's it for us. Probably the longest show we've done. I always say this we always have longer shows than the ones before, but lots of stuff to go through. Thanks for hanging in there. Thanks for listening, for your support of the show. Check out the new website, or at least the refreshed website at thecellphonejunkie.com. If you want to get a question or comment to us, you can do so by emailing questions at thecellphonejunkie.com or giving us a call to two zero six two zero three three seven three four. That is not a uh, Google voice number, that is actually a, through a service called K 7net dot which we've been using since uh, basically the you know the beginning, since we started using the service, and it works very, very well. Uh, so you can do that, and uh, we'll get your questions and comments on the show. So thanks very much for listening. And, Joey, thank you, as always, very much for your time. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening. For more information about the stories you've just heard, visit us at thecellphonejunkie.com.